Welcome to Cube Pushers, a podcast all about designer board and card games with a little bit of attitude. Here are your hosts, Bill Corey and Chris Dunbar. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cube Pushers. I'm Bill Corey. I'm Chris Dunbar. How's it going, everybody? This is episode zero, our launch episode of Cube Pushers, the designer board and card game podcast with a little bit of attitude. For those of you that may be listening to this and aren't big board gamers, let's start off by explaining exactly what we consider designer board and card games to be. Now, a lot of you, I'm sure, are thinking about things like Monopoly and Sorry and Risk and Clue and that sort of thing. And what we're going to be talking about are games that are a little bit different than that. Most of these you're not going to find in a big box store, although there's a few of them that pop up every once in a while. If you've ever heard of the game Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride, you've got you know a good foot in the door, I guess. But most of the games that we're talking about are a little bit different than that. These aren't as much mass market, wouldn't you say, Chris? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a very small market. You know, if they sell 5,000 copies, it's a bestseller. It's it's definitely not the millions of copies of Monopoly that get sold every year, that's for sure. Yeah, no joke. And that's, I think, part of where the designer word comes from is because it's a little bit more tailor-fit to specific interest types is one way to look at it. They're like the coach handbags of board games. Yeah, except for there aren't a whole lot of people in China that are making weird knockoffs of them and trying to sell them for four bucks out the back of a truck. But other that's than that, true. But doesn't that yet? Good point. <laughs> As a matter of fact, one of the things that designer board games tend to highlight is very quality components. These are games that have lots of wood in them more often than not. As a matter of fact, the name of our podcast, Cube Pushers, is a little bit of an in-joke. People make jokes about all the nerds sitting around the table pushing little wooden cubes around. So and since we are two of those nerds, we figured, hey, what a name. So. Right. The games that we are going to be talking about have a couple other things besides just little cubes of wood and not being found in any store that you usually go to. Um, In common, though, more often than not, they tend to highlight strategy over luck. It's going to be less about did I roll a seven and land on free parking and more about uh, thinking about your moves and taking, you know, the time to really process exactly what you're going to do for long term ramifications. They also tend to be designed and play tested to the extreme for the most part, although there are notable exceptions to that one. Um, right. There's always a couple games where the rules come out a little bit wonky. But in general, this is a very passionate hobby. This is a hobby for gamers about gamers. So and this is real gamers. We're not talking about the 14 year old lead speak nerd on Xbox Live who like trash talking while they're playing Call of Duty. We're talking, you know, this is a... Yeah, we're real gamers that have cardboard and pieces of wood. Yay, us. (laughs) Although I will say this, I throw that I, I, I make I make that little jab at the at the Xbox Live folks, but the hobby, the designer board game hobby, has actually been growing into even things like the Xbox and the iPad. If you go on Xbox Live in the marketplace, there are a fair number of the games that you might hear us talk about that exist on there already. Things like Settlers of Catan, Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne, Lost Cities, lots of that stuff. Yep, and even more so on the iOS, the App Store. Yeah, yeah, the iPad. They've got Small World and Lahav and all. Yeah, Puerto Rico even more hardcore uh, games than uh, than even you can find Xbox. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And we'll talk about some of those as well, especially games that we already liked and then we find a really cool port up. So, so that part there was for those of you that may not already be board gamers. For those of you that are, however, already board gamers or feel like you have a pretty good grip on this, we wanted to take this episode to sort of introduce ourselves and give you an idea on where we already stand in the board gaming world, what we think of, of certain types of things already. So, Chris, 
Bruce, why don't you start us off? What kind of things do you particularly like and dislike when it comes to designer board games? Sure, sure. Uh, one of the big things I like about designer board games, the the, the types of games that I play are uh, games that have open-ended mechanics. These are games where you you don't have to follow this stringent path that has been set up by the designer. It, it basically, he gives you a system and some resources to work with, and you can do whatever you want with them. So that's one of the aspects that I like. I also like games where you can set up, you know, crazy combos. If, if you can, you know, get particular cards into play or whatever that work really well together, I, I enjoy that quite a bit. I'm a big fan of two-player games or games that play well with two players. Um, we have a sizable game group. Um, they, we meet, you know, every week. Anywhere from, you know, five to twelve guys show up. So I'm not forced to play two-player games like some people are with their spouse or whatever. But I really enjoy two-player games, even when I have a big group of guys coming. I'm sorry, Chris. I don't mean to cut in, but is that also partially because it's easy to just concentrate on one other person's strategy? It's you know a little bit more dialed in, or is that? I, I think so. I'm a big, I, you know, I concentrate on what I do, and maybe I can think about, like, one other person. <laughs> and when there's, like, a third person that comes in and ruins everything for both of us, <laughs> I, I, I just have, my mind works really well when I don't have to think about a lot. Gotcha. <laughs> not not so many uh, processing <laughs> cycles, is that what you're saying? Right, exactly, exactly. Yep. And then uh, the last thing I really enjoy about games are games that have simple intuitive mechanics where i don't have to think about how to play i can just think about what i'm going to do when when it's my turn to take a move i don't have to make sure i'm going through all the right motions and following the right steps and having these certain criteria met before i can do what i want to do i just like mechanics that are there and let me do basically whatever i want and do them better than somebody else so games like small world you're saying not at all i know i know i know i just wanted to get a little jab in there (laughs) no i think that those are all those are all really good points my likes and dislikes kind of they're going to sound a little similar but believe me when i say that we have different focuses here um i tend to gravitate towards heavier games i tend to like things and when we say heavy we're not talking about how much does the box weigh when you pick it up i'm talking about games that have um, a lot of depth length usually lots of long-term strategy planning things like that so stuff that has interesting mechanics to it interesting methods of play that i that i can kind of jog my processing power a little bit I love mechanics that tie into the theme well. Theme is a real big thing for me. I enjoy games where I feel like there's a certain level of immersion that comes along with the game. You really feel like you're diving into the experience that the game is trying to create. Um, And that's a really big thing for me is I think the experience of playing the game is more important than winning. And that's not true across the board. Of course, there are some games that, you know, I really like to dominate at, as my friend Chris would say. But at the end of the day, I'm way more interested in how much fun was the actual experience of playing the game, whether I got my butt kicked or not. You know, did I enjoy what I was doing while I was sitting at the table? And I think to me, that's probably the most important part of any of this. So, so. Anyway, in order to dial all that stuff down that we were just talking about there, uh, Chris and I talked about this, and we decided to come up with what we're calling a bio in five. And what this is, is five games that, these aren't necessarily our five favorite games of all time, but they're five games that we think sort of adequately sum up the sorts of things that we really like. And these are all games, obviously, we do like, um, but, you know, these are things that we think are give a good descriptor of where our sweet spots are when it comes to games. So, Chris, what, what's your bio in five? So my bio and five games, uh, I have 
I start the list off here with Innovation. Innovation is a uh, quick-playing card game. It goes to four. I only play with two. Yeah. If you enjoy your life, you should only play with two. <laughs> True um, story. <laughs> with three or four, I, I can't imagine it being that much fun. But Innovation's a, a game where you can set up like I talked about earlier, super sweet combos. You can really do some some crazy stuff in that game. Twilight Struggle is another one on my list. It's a, it's a two-player game. Some people consider it a war game. It's basically a re, reenactment almost of the Cold War. Um, I just like, you know, outthinking your opponent. Basically, you're trying to negate the horrible situation you're put in every single round uh, as best as you can or better than your opponent does. That's what I like about that game. Lahav uh, is, a, is a game that I really enjoy because it does have those open-ended mechanics. There's something like 15 different resources in the game that can be manipulated uh, and, and taken advantage of to your either detriment or benefit. Homesteaders is kind of similar to that, uh, but plays quicker. It's a resource management game. You're, you're spending resources to buy buildings, so it kind of has a similar feel to Lahav, but there's also auctions in it, and it's a super open-ended system as well. Uh, and the last one on my list here is Glory to Rome. It's it's similar to Innovation. Uh, it's the same designer and has super stupid, crazy combos to it, but it actually uh, supports uh, up to four or five players really well. Four is probably really good with it. Five is not so fun. There you go. Yeah, no, Glory to Rome, Glory to Rome to me feels like what the multiplayer of Innovation should be. Like if you wanted to make a two-player version of Glory to Rome, you play Innovation. If you wanted a multiplayer version of Innovation, you play Glory to Rome. I don't know, they feel, sure. yeah, they yeah. feel similar to me in many ways. So, right. All right, so my bio in five. The one at the top of my list is Power Grid. This is the classic from Rio Grande Games, originally called Funkenschlag in Germany, which I think is one of the most fun words ever to say. It is, but it's a good word. It, you gotta love Funkenschlag. Anyway, Power Grid is a, it's, it's a game that's got some classic mechanics. It's, it's usually held as one of the all-time modern classics of board gaming. Uh, but one of the great things about it is that it's a very intuitive game. It's something that people can wrap their brains around right away. The idea is that you're building a network of cities that you're trying to provide power to. Um, everybody gets that. Everybody gets the idea of money, and these resources are scarce, so therefore they're more expensive, and these resources are plentiful, so therefore they're cheap. And you know, There's a lot of things that are just super intuitive that people can wrap their brains around right away. I use it, actually, as a gateway game when I teach people, you know, if they if they ever want to sit down and play a game for the first time, this is one of them that I pull out. So, another one that I definitely would not pull out for people that don't normally play games is called Through the Ages. It is, in my opinion, the ultimate civilization building game. Think the old computer game Civ, the Sid Meier game. Although it's not exactly like that because that exists as a board game too. But anyway, think of that and boil it down to the most precise reenactment of building a civilization from the Stone Age to modern day that you can think of. It's that's actually completely wrong. It's really not that precise, but it's very elegant. I don't know how else to describe it. It just really gives you this feel of taking the civilization from zero to hero and doing it in a way that just makes perfect sense. I think that it's the best example of mechanics that perfectly convey the feel of a game. And you got to love a game that actually plays on a reasonably sized table, too, that can do that much. So Automobile by Martin Wallace is another one that's on my list. I think that this is another game that perfectly captures the feel of the theme. The idea is that you're an automobile manufacturer trying to sell your cars and make a buck. Everybody gets it. Um, the mechanics work perfectly with exactly what the game is trying to do. It all makes sense. It all just jives in your head. There's nothing you know that disconnects you from the theme. It just all works. Love that game. Uh, Eminent Domain by Tasty Minstrel Games is another one that's on my bio in five. 
I throw this one in there because there's a genre of games called deck builders, which are almost card board game hybrids in many ways. They combine elements of both into one package. And I think Eminent Domain is probably the most elegant of those designs. It has a decent theme immersion to it. Not the best in the world, but pretty good. But the gameplay is just so compelling and it just it's so fast. It just knocks you through it. It's sort of in the same spot in my list that innovation is in Chris's list. It's one of those fast playing, lots to do. You always feel like you have a plan going on every game. Rewards good thought, but at the end of the day, there's enough going on that you don't ever get bored. Um, And then the last one I throw in there is Space Alert. If there has ever been a game that's like diving headfirst into the theme, this is probably it. Um, It's a cooperative game where there's a soundtrack going on, so there's a computer beeping and booping at you and warning you about all these threats coming to destroy your spaceship while you're frantically trying to tell your buddies how they're supposed to help replenish the reactors or fire the main guns or whatever. It's completely ridiculous, and it's one of those games that I've never had a group of people sit around the table with me and not just laugh their butts off the whole time they're playing. One of those rare games that you can everybody can lose. You can play horribly and die faster than you've ever seen anybody die in a John Woo movie, and it's still a good time. So that's my bio on five. So there you go. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of a snapshot as to who we are as gamers and what sort of stuff we dig. So yeah, looking at these lists, I'm surprised we we disagree so much on games sometimes. Yeah, no. we, we seem to have such divergent opinions, but these lists, I, I, I enjoy your list. It's respectable, I suppose. <laughs> you know, and your list is pretty good too, although there's one or two on there that I think I I'd have to be pushed yeah. a little harder to play than others, but hey, that's just me. So I tell you right. what, let's let's focus a little bit on what we're actually going to do with this podcast. Our our goal here is to do a weekly podcast that covers the designer board and card game hobby. Um, And we're going to do that with a few different segments that we're planning on doing each week. The first one, and probably the most important one for a lot of people, is going to be the news feed. This is going to be something that we're going to do where we're just going to talk about the top news stories from the board gaming industry, including hot product releases. You know, if there's a big game coming out, we'll try and give you the dates. Awards, you know, there are a couple fairly prestigious awards that are given out every year in the board gaming world. The new hotness is a website called Kickstarter where you can crowdfund the production of games so you can sort of push the idea for a game and then get people to pre-order it, so to speak, so that we can get the money for it. If you've never heard of Kickstarter, check them out, kickstarter.com. And then there's, you know, there's gaming conventions all over the world that I think are a, you know, are a really interesting way to meet new people. As a matter of fact, that's how Chris and I met a few years ago is... Right. At a, at a board game convention right in our area. So, yep. you know, it's interesting. The newsfeed, a lot of what we're going to be pulling from the newsfeed, we were talking before about the hobby and how it's been growing. There's a couple of really amazing websites out there that if you've been listening to this and you kind of want to dig in and find out a little bit more about this hobby, you could go worse than reading boardgamegeek.com, gamesalute.com is a good one. There's a couple of really amazing websites uh, that also have some nudes and we'll be pulling what we consider the highlights from those websites for you. We're also going to then do some session reports, which is basically just what we've been playing in the last week and our thoughts on it. You know, if there's a game that we played that we have a pretty strong opinion on, we'll throw it out there, let you know what we're playing. If it's the 40 millionth time we've played whatever game, you know, we're not going to bore you to death by explaining all the mechanics of Power Grid for the ninth time. But, you know, we'll give you a basic idea what we play and what we think. 
Right. And then we're going to have a section called Game versus Game. In this one, what we're going to do is we're going to take two games that share some sort of major component, either the theme or some sort of mechanic, or maybe even just the feel of the game while you're sitting around the table, and give a brief overview of the games and give pros and cons for each one. And then, in an effort to challenge ourselves into not rambling like we both tend to do from time to time, in 20 seconds or less, we're going to try each pick a winner in that contest and explain why. Like, which game is better for whatever reason? So that should be pretty interesting. I, yeah, this is the, I'm going to like that one. Yeah, this is going to be the part where uh, Chris and I's divergent opinions will come to the fore, I have a feeling. You're going to hear a little bit there. Yeah. And speaking of us and divergent opinions, um, we're also going to have an alternating segment. Some weeks it's going to be called Guilty Pleasure, and some it's going to be called One and Done. Chris, what's a Guilty Pleasure game to you? <laughs> My number one Guilty Pleasure game is Risk Legacy. I said it. I'm, I'm ashamed. There you go. Don't be. That game is brilliant. See, we already disagree on something. But in a nutshell, a guilty pleasure game is something that maybe isn't as popular as other games. Has you know a little bit of you know maybe wonky mechanics that people don't get, or a really crazy theme, or something that you know from our childhood that we just really enjoy. You know, whether it might not be a brilliant game, but it's still a lot of fun. So, and then a one and done. And this is going to be, we should have really just named this the Chris segment, because I have a feeling this is going to be all about you. It might be. Yeah, there you go. The one and done segment is going to be if we come across a game that we particularly dislike. If we have, you know, for whatever reason, we've got some game, especially, and I'm and I'm just going to throw this in here, I'm, especially if it's a game that's super well regarded and for some reason we can't stand it. You know, there's a couple games out there that it seems like the whole world, everybody in the world but me likes this. And I, right. unlike Chris, I'm not going to spoil episode one for you. So this just in, I have a one and done that I really want to throw in here. But anyway, this is, some sort of game that we feel like we never have to ever play again. Heads of state. Oh, whoops. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, more teasers. So so anyway, so that hopefully gives you a pretty good idea on exactly where we're going to land on this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Stay tuned. Episode one will be in the feed probably in the next few days or so. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. So take care and thanks for listening to Cube Pushers. Take it easy. See ya. You've been listening to Cube Pushers, a proud member of the Ghost Hat Podcast Network. All music for this episode is graciously provided by royaltyfreemusic.com. For more great entertainment, visit ghosthat.net or keep up with us two fools personally at cubepushers.com. Thanks for listening, and keep gaming. Keep gaming.